Hello and welcome to NFL First and Goal, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Eric Allen, the former NFL cornerback. On today's podcast, we'll focus on the key matchups across the league, spotlighting the game between the Patriots and the Bears with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. But let's kick off the podcast with our NFL insider. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start in Jacksonville where the Texans beat the Jags. Blake Bortles was benched. What can you tell us about Jacksonville's quarterback situation moving forward? Yeah, at this point, it's it's best to be described as fluid. I mean, obviously for Blake Bortles, you know, they gave him a... Uh, they gave him a contract extension before the season uh, with much fanfare and have insisted privately and publicly that he's the guy. And, you know, despite, the, despite all those words, uh, I think what's been on the field has been, quite honestly, not good enough. Now, they had Cody Kessler in there today. Uh, he looked better. The offense looked like it moved better. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kessler comes in and gets a start. But, of course, once you rip that Band-Aid off, it's kind of tough to go back. Uh, I don't see the Jaguars as a team that's going to go out and spend for a big quarterback, trade a bunch for a quarterback. I don't even know who that would be. Um, you know, But certainly this is a situation where uh, if it's not the end of Blake Bortles, certainly it could be the beginning of the end. Well, I can hear the arguments and the debate starting right now. If the Giants don't do well, the connection with uh, Tom Coughlin and yeah. Eli Manning, because uh, there could there be anything uh, that kind of kind of goes that way with Eli Manning going down to Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've heard the rumors, I've heard the discussion. Um, it's it's hard to imagine that happening. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Uh, because, look, the Jaguars just traded a fifth-rounder for a running back. Um, and, you know, they've been willing to, in the short term, invest draft picks for someone they believe will give them the kind of return they want. I'm just not sure it makes sense for Eli. Remember, he has a no-trade clause. Uh, he's also worth a lot of money. Uh, he's making, I believe, should be about $10 million. You know, the Jaguars can get there money-wise. That's not really the problem. Um, is he going to come in? With an offense he's never seen before midseason. And remember, he's not he's not playing great. Um, you know, he's I mean, there certainly are people in New York who want him benched as well. I guess it'll be some discussion. I'm just not sure I really see a fit. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Be sure to check out Ian's podcast, Rap Sheet and Friends. It's outstanding right here on TuneIn. And what are you hearing about Le'Veon Bell? Do the Steelers anticipate Bell? finally showing up this week? You know, they're not sure, which I know sounds ridiculous because everyone sort of expects Bell to show up on Monday. Uh, he has not been told, he has not told them he's going to show up. And I actually talked to uh, Steelers owner Art Rooney, um, you know, on, when was that? Wednesday, I believe. And he said he does expect Bell to remain a Steeler, so not going to be traded. That's one part of it. But the other part of it is, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to show up this week. He just needs to show up before week 10. He's given up so much money at this point, you know, $7 or $8 million. I, I, again, I know everyone expects him to show up. I just know the Steelers are literally saying it is status quo uh, until he actually shows up. And, and, and he may not. Honestly, he may not, which is pretty crazy. I heard some uh, Rob Gronkowski didn't make the trip today. Yeah. Uh, back... Yep. Injury in practice on Friday and uh, rumors about him possibly not being back next year. What's going on with that? 
Well, you know, I think with Gronk, I mean, yes, he so his back locked up during practice on Friday. And, you know, they thought it was probably going to be okay. Then he woke up Saturday and it did not feel good. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've had a back issue. It's He couldn't get on a plane, couldn't get on a two-hour plane. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was um, something where, you know, could they have forced it? Maybe. But it's a long season. He's one of their best players. He's kind of banged up ankle-wise anyway, so they figure, you know what, let's just give him the week off. Uh, I was told it's not long-term. Uh, as far as, you know, retirement, yeah, I mean, I think it's always going to be on Gronk's mind until he finally decides that enough is enough. He has been through a lot. His body has been through a lot more than most players. So, yeah, I mean, I would think even though he's barely, I don't even think he's 30 yet, retirement is going to be an issue until he actually retires. Next stop, WWE or Hollywood. Let's stay with the Patriots. Yeah, How about Sony Michelle carted off the field today in Chicago? Yeah, Sony Michelle suffered a knee injury, was quickly ruled out, which is, you know, never a very good sign at all. And um, it's the same knee that he had all that trouble with in, in Georgia. And um, and then again, actually, with the Patriots, you know, it's, it's certainly worrisome. It is certainly worrisome. And the fact that... Um, you know, he had emerged as one of the best rookies in the NFL over the past three weeks. Does not make it easier. Uh, we're still, you know, he's going to get an MRI. He's going to get tests. He's going to figure it out. Um, but obviously the signs are certainly not encouraging for Sony Michelle and, and his health. And um, if the Patriots do lose him, uh, would really be a significant, significant blow. I'm going to go out west. Raiders, Amari Cooper, maybe... Trading him to the Dallas Cowboys is, is this the, the beginning or the middle of the rebuild and and for the uh, Oakland Raiders? Uh, possibly they have. I'm told had discussions. The Raiders have had with the Cowboys about Amari Cooper. It's going to take a first round pick to get him. The Cowboys, you know, these are not the old Cowboys. These are not the uh, you know pay whatever you want. You know, overspend. I mean, this is Stephen Jones and Will McClay, the two top personnel guys under Jerry Jones, are extremely disciplined. So I have a hard time imagining they're going to give a first rounder for anything. They love their first rounders. Um, but could you make a deal for less than a first rounder and get one of the, you know, bright young receivers in the NFL who's probably not played as well as he, he wants? I mean, I would, Im- I would expect the conversations to continue um, until you know, until the trade deadline on the 30th. Chatting with our NFL insider, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, you covered the owners getting together this week in New York City. This show is based in Southern California. Eric is a proud resident of San Diego. Definitively, when that glittering new football palace opens in Englewood, will the Chargers be playing there? Yes, the Chargers will be playing. I know, I saw the story. Um, it's not... Wrong. I mean, the story, the, the numbers weren't quite right, honestly. But but the 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 moral of the story, or whatever you'd say, is right. The Chargers are going to charge a lot less for PSLs than anyone expected. It's a hundred dollars instead of a thousand dollars or more. I mean, some some teams charge a, a whole lot for PSLs. Um, so yeah, I mean, revenue. It's going to be sort of a shortfall. Um, but what the Chargers are doing is they're choosing to have more fans rather than more money. They, obviously, it's a challenge. I mean, look, anyone who, who with eyes can see it's a challenge. But they want, they want to build a fan base, and they're sacrificing money at the front end, um, you know, sacrificing money at the front end to get more fans. The other part of it is they have a lease, 
and it's for 20 years, they are literally not going anywhere. They're not going to San Diego, because if they were, they would have got a stadium there originally. They're not going to Oakland, because if that was easy, the Raiders would be there. There is literally no other option than to make their situation as good as possible in L.A. Now, even with the... What what I guess the fans are concerned about is, and the Chargers, obviously, is if they get into that new place and there's 30,000 opposing fans, what would it take the owners to say, that just doesn't look right on television? Is Is there any... Any other plans that they could they could do to help uh, the Chargers? I hear what you're saying, but and and you're not wrong, um, but there there really isn't. You know, I mean, there really is no other option. The only other option would be for someone to buy the team and move and buy, build a stadium themselves with their own money. But the Spanoses have shown no inclination to sell. They do not want to sell, um, and so you know they're in the situation they're in and. You know, it's not the best, obviously, but the belief is it's better than it would have been just in San Diego. Um, so, look, I mean, it's, you know, it's it made no one happy when the Chargers decided to move to L.A. It literally made no one happy. But that is the reality now, and they are not going anywhere. Um, so it's really, it's difficult. I know it's frustrating for a lot of people in the league office and for a lot of other teams, but it is just reality. London could be an option for a team, but we're going to save that for next week when the (laughs) Eagles take on the Jags. Ian, always a pleasure. Now you know what I'm going to ask you a week from now. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll (laughs) chat with you next time on the NFL on TuneIn. I'll prepare for it. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Next up on NFL First and Gold, the podcast, let's break down the game between the Panthers and Eagles with Anthony Gargano from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Now let's recap the Panthers' 21-17 victory over the Eagles with our good friend Anthony Gargano from 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, when you kick off your show tomorrow, are you going to be giving Cam Newton credit for the comeback or crushing the Eagles for blowing a 17-0 lead? (laughs) No, the Eagles get crushed. You can't relinquish a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter at home on a windy day. This is on Paul. This is this is on Jim Schwartz. This is on the defense. They played very soft defensively, allowed the Carolina to get into a rhythm. They weren't in the rhythm all day long. Finally, Cam gets into one because I thought Jim Schwartz got soft on defense. Now, when you say soft on defense, when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, soft secondary, soft in the middle of the football field, soft, up front. Yeah, he played off. Eric, he played off. He, he played off ball. Gave up two way big of a cushion, and he'll do that at times. The one misnomer about Schwartz, and you know this, Eric, is that he's not a pressure guy. He rarely likes to bring pressure. He plays his defensive backs off, and he didn't bring them up once in that fourth quarter, up until the end when it was already the Panthers were already moving. Beyond the stats and the outcome today, how has Carson Wentz looked to you coming back from the knee injury, also according to reports dealing with a back issue this week? Yeah, he looked good. Um, the problem was it was, a, it was a tough day for both quarterbacks, wind-wise, and so it was really nasty down there. First time weather played a part. Uh, Carson played well uh, up until it was third and two, and he, go, he tries to go to his guy, Alshon Jeffrey, who was just sensational again all day long but he's in triple coverage 
It was third and two. He probably should have went after the first down, and then on fourth down he gets sacked, and that was basically the ball game. Yeah, you you look at that uh, that last uh, couple drives. That's the only really question marks I think uh, folks looking at the game will have about Carson. And I think again, offensively, this is one of the types of games that you know you look back. Hey, you know we didn't play great, uh, but we should have won the game. What does this say to the Eagles looking forward to their division? Yeah, no, and, and you're right on. And the real the biggest problem. It was reminiscent of the Tennessee game. So they had, they had Tennessee beat in similar fashion, and the defense just wilted and led them back in the game, and they went up losing. Now, on that day, it was really hot in Tennessee, and you could, you could make an excuse, but not today. The defense giving up a fourth quarter like that, it was 17 nothing going into the, into the fourth quarter, and it felt like it was 31 nothing. It had that kind of feel to the game. Guys, talking Eagle football with Anthony Gargano from 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, Philadelphia now three and four, but so many of these games have been competitive. Are you buying the idea this could be a Super Bowl hangover, or is that too simplistic? Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, it might be part of it, but do, do they have the weapons offensively is what you have to ask yourself. I mean, think about it, guys. The, the, they lose, they have no backs. Now, now they're down to three very inexperienced back, Corey Clement, uh, Smallwood, and uh, Josh Adams, a rookie from Notre Dame who's undrafted. They really are missing Jay Ajayi. They miss, uh, they miss their weapons and no scrolls. They have no one opposite Alshon that could stretch the field. Wallace was brought here to do that to replace Torrey Smith. He's out. He's been out for the year. So they really miss that spot where they can actually take the top off the defense. They're, they're, they're struggling. There's not a lot, of, a lot of weapons around Carson. Yeah, 58 yards today uh, yeah. by the running attack. Not good at all. Do you see them looking outside of the locker room elsewhere to try and get some help maybe at the running back spot? Yeah, yeah I do. If you remember last year, they, they make the trade for Jay Ajayi. Howie Roseman is a very aggressive general manager. I, I, I know that they've had talks with Buffalo for LaShawn McCoy. I guess, guys, LaShawn left today, left that game in the first quarter yeah. with a head injury. Um, they, they, the Bills had wanted a two and a three for LaShawn, and the Eagles balked at it. The trade deadline's coming up uh, early the following week. Yep. So i, I got to believe that, that the Eagles are, are going to call Buffalo back and see if they'll, they'll go down on that price. Anthony, always a pleasure. We appreciate the information and your patience. Finally, because TuneIn is the proud home of the NHL as well. What do you make of the Flyers' wacky mascot? The kids love it, Anthony. Great. <laughs> they're, they're better than the team. <laughs> By the way, I love Eric Allen, man. Who doesn't? Yeah. Right? You're, you're with royalty, baby. Hey, man, I appreciate it, my man. He's carried me <laughs> once more. Man. Thanks, Anthony. We'll chat with you soon. Take care, bro. See you guys. This is NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Now let's spotlight the matchup between the Patriots and the Bears with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Now let's recap. The Patriots win over the Bears, New England. Now has won four consecutive games. Always a pleasure to talk Patriot football with our pal, Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time. What was your biggest takeaway today? A win, uh, and that's really all that matters because this was 
sort of an ugly game for the Patriots on both sides of the ball, sort of all three phases, injuries. I mean, if you want to just focus on the negative, there's plenty to pull from this game, but I think you focus on the positive. It may have come down to a yard on the last play of the game, but you get a win in Chicago, your first road win of the season. You get to 5-2, and two, and Brady talked about it post game. You know, it's, it's better to fix things, clean things up, find new ways, whatever you want to call it, after a victory in a winning streak as you advance. So I think this was the ultimate win, survive, advance, and, and figure things out moving forward. Yeah, it looked like uh, did a great job of protecting uh, Mr. Tom Brady there. Uh, offensively, does it really matter like from one game to another with this football team? Because the the things we focus on for this game, hey, the lack of you know the the passing game, whatever, will be completely different <laughs> in in the pictures we see for the next opponent. So going forward. You know, if, if if Gronk is not playing, uh, if if Sony Michelle is is, is not uh, capable of, of returning, what happens the next week when you face a new opponent? They find a way. That's why they're the ultimate game plan team, and I think that's by design. That's that's a philosophical approach by Bill Belichick, dating all the way back to Charlie Weiss and sort of the the, the building of this offense in New England two decades ago with Tom Brady is. You know, you're, you're not always going to have the same personnel. You're not always going to face the same defense. They want to be multiple on offense and be able to run it against bad defenses or if they're running backs down, throw it more, short passing game, long passing game. It's, it's a philosophical approach that's worked so well for them over the years, and it's, it's going to be tested again. You know, you're without Gronk this afternoon, and so you have to pick up the slack and you get a little more Chris Hogan. 15 catches all year. I think he had six this afternoon. You know, so you lean on a different guy. That's why you have these complementary weapons and theoretically a depth of talent. Now, you know, the Michelle injury, Sony Michelle, the rookie running back goes down with what looks like an injury, a knee injury that could cost him a little time. They don't have a lot of depth at running back. So, you know, do you lose the ground game? Is it now more even of the James White passing game that you saw today, the short passing game? I think he was targeted 10 times today. But that's their whole philosophy. When you have a general like Tom Brady on the field, He's capable of doing anything. He's capable of, of reading the defense and getting you into good run plays or checking the pass plays if they're going to try to stop the run or the short passing game, the long passing game, the screen game. So the quarterback that can, can do what you need to do, and because of that you have this offense that can morph week to week. And, and that's a topic in New England right now is the lack of depth on offense. You have a very good pass catching back in James White. You had a very good running back in Sony Michelle, you have a good tight end in Gronk, a good slot receiver in Edelman, a good outside receiver in Gordon, but you don't have any backups for really any of those positions. So that is going to cause Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, to, to need to morph week to week based on health, and, and that's going to be tested moving forward. Chatting with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio, we saw Mitchell Trubisky not only put up big numbers in the air, he used his mobility to his advantage. Andy, what's the state of the Patriots' defense? Ooh, it's bad. <laughs> you know, it's it, they're struggling right now. This is week to week where they're giving up a lot of points. And, you know, you, you say one week it's, it's Patrick Mahomes and the upstart Chiefs, one of the best offenses in football. Well, I don't think you're going to give that kind of respect and credit to the Chicago Bears. And I know there were points um, that were sort of handed to the Bears, short field drives by turnovers. Um, but right now they just – there's nothing they can hang their hat on. They're not overly dominant stopping the run. They don't have a great pass rush. The coverage isn't great. 
Um, there's receivers wide open, run after the catch. The tackling's not great. You know, there's a lot of different factors at play to why this defense is struggling, and it could have been worse. I mean, second week in a row, you have a young quarterback that missed some wide-open receivers. Patrick Mahomes last Sunday night missed guys wide open. Kareem Hunt early for touchdowns down the seam that I'm sure throws he'd love to have back. And today, Trubisky missed a lot of balls on sort of intermediate routes down the field that, you know, if he's more accurate on those, who knows, this could be a different ball game. Um, you know, the bend but don't break isn't working. They're breaking, and they're, they're very fortunate. They're getting some turnovers. Uh, certainly today they had a couple nice plays. Jonathan Jones had an interception. Um, you know, that, that was key for them. J.C. Jackson had an interception on the side. But um, they need to find a way to get back to their bend but don't break. Because right now it's bend and break. They're giving up a lot of yards, and then they're giving up points. Um, so they're, you know, I, I think the biggest issue is some of their veteran playmakers are, are on the back nine. They've lost a step. And that's, you know, Dante Hightower is not the same guy he once was. Devin McCourty, not the same guy he once was. And there isn't necessarily young talent to inject to, to add to that. So they're, they're trying to find the right mix right now for first-year coordinator Brian Flores. Andy, always a pleasure. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. We continue on NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Now let's focus on the game between the Texans and the Jaguars with J.P. Shadrick from the Jaguars Radio Network. Let's spotlight the divisional game between Houston and Jacksonville. Texans won 20-7. Let's talk Jag football with J.P. Shadrick from the Jaguars Radio Network. J.P., we appreciate you taking the time. I realize you are the broadcaster, not the head coach or the GM, but how do you see the quarterback situation after Blake Bortles was benched and Cody Kessler played the second half today? Well, it's never when you when you have what you think is your franchise quarterback and you take him out of a competitive football game, that is never a great thing for the organization, obviously. Uh, Doug Marone said after the game that uh, when he was asked about the quarterback position that it's open. Uh, then he went on to say that every position is open and did the whole coach speak and all that. But um, my gut right now is I don't know how uh, maybe down the line here um, they can put Blake right in there right now because this defense and this offense, both sides of the ball, had a little extra jump. Something different was happening when Cody Kessler was in the game. Now, I will say that it wasn't a lot happening when Kessler was in the game. It was like a real off 21 point. Uh, they had a punt the first drive, and then they drove down on a short field, 47 yards, for a touchdown. But there was a little more feel, some more completions. Um, he said it's open. I, you know, if if it's me right now guessing, and this is just me kind of feeling it, um, I think it could be Blake again this week. See how it goes in, in Wembley next week against the, uh, the Eagles in London. And if things go south again, then he can make the move again and then put Kessler in. That's, that's my feel right now on Sunday night, just a few hours after the game. But uh, there are a lot of issues around this Jaguars team right now, not just the quarterback position. Now we're seven weeks into it, and it's, it seemed like it's been almost a full year since the beginning of the season and how we view Jacksonville and now oh, yeah. what they are now, right? Our team was built around a running game and a strong defense. The running game's been banged up and injured, and the defense has given up, you know, almost 90 points in three weeks. How, how do you bounce back from this if you're the Jags? Yeah, the biggest problem with that is the running game. It'll start on offense. 
is all the injuries on offense. And you can't use that as an excuse. I get it. You know, a lot of teams have injuries. But to this extent, I mean, you lost your starting left tackle. You lost your backup left tackle. So you're on your third left tackle the season. You lost Austin Safarian Jenkins, the starting tight end. Miles Paul. And then this week, James O'Shaughnessy, their three tight ends, are all injured. Uh, two of them are on IR. Um, and then the running back situation, Leonard Fournette has played parts of two halves this year, and that's it. Um, you got Cole Grant, who's on the injured reserve. You just signed Jamal Charles, who's in his 11th year, coming off the street. Um, and then you get the trade for Carlos Hyde, who was not available in this game today. So uh, the power-running football team is missing some key components to be a power-running football team. And that's uh, where they've been behind in games. The defense has given it up a little bit early some. And when you're behind three scores, they've had to abandon that running game and then have to throw the ball. And that's not a recipe for success for this offense, uh, especially with all those injuries and, and the way Blake has played some. He's Eric Allen. I'm Brian Weber, spotlighting the Jags with J.P. Shadrick from the Jaguars Radio Network. J.P., as you know, Jalen Ramsey has a big and bold personality. Do you have any sense as to why suddenly he's become a bit more reserved in dealing with the media? Oh well, they're getting beat, and they're getting um, they're getting beat badly. I think that's the big part of it. This is a, a bold, confident defense. The last year did bold, confident things on the field and could back it up. And this year they're still ranked okay in yardage and all of that, but they don't have the impact plays, the, the takeaways, the, the touchdowns, the strip sacks. Uh, they're not leaking into what's and, um, you know, he, he was out there in the offseason a good bit. Now, you know what? They're, they're not getting the results. They've just lost three in a row, and they've been outscored 57 to nothing in the first half of those games. So there you go. There's your change in tone right there. Yeah. Um, they're giving up points. Uh, they're not scoring points. And they're getting, uh, they're getting whipped right now. And that's pretty much the bottom line, and that's why he's kind of toned it down a bit. Yeah, Jaden's still an outstanding player, still playing at a very high level. I'm not sure if the guys around him are playing at the same level. <clears throat> that could be the cause cause for that. Uh, on the side of, other side of the ball, you, you were there. You saw Houston. And, again, going back to week one and week two, we thought this Houston team <laughs> was going to be in a world of trouble. They've kind of bounced back. Do you see sure. Jacksonville kind of rallying the troops somehow and ending up the next couple of weeks and us looking back at week seven and saying, hey, that was just a blip, and now they're back rolling again? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think we're past the blip stuff for the Jaguars right now. I mean, I think the blip was the Kansas City game when they failed in the red zone of bunch and turned the ball over five times. Right? Okay, you can bounce back from that. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, a boat raced by the Cowboys, a 40 to whatever it was. And then, I mean, they're just dominating that game. Then there's like some real issues. And you're coming back today. It's a home game, the only home game in a six-week stretch here in Jacksonville. So, okay, coming back home, division game, Houston was good. But everybody's banged up and they can't perform and this and that. I hope I think right now for this Jags team, just feeling it, is that the division is not totally strong, all right? Tennessee's lost a few games in a row now. They're the other contending team. Houston, you know, they've got a really good defense right now. The quarterback's playing well. They have a star receiver. And today, uh, Miller, the running back, had a good day against the Jags, which is not a good sign either for the Jaguars' defense. But you get a feeling that they're going to lose some games they should win, you know? And it might kind of filter down the division here. If the Jags can kind of get things together, get to the bye, maybe get some guys healthy, find an identity in the running game of Carlos Hyde when he becomes available next week, 
get something going, continue to play defense and maybe get home some and get some scores and do all that on defense, then I think they can kind of right this thing. Can they overtake and win the division? I think that's the hope right now because any hope of the wild card is starting to fade away in a hurry here. Uh, if you start keep losing AFC football games, that's never a good sign. So I think that there's a lot of work to be done around here. A lot of health has to come in a, in a hurry on this team. JP, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. No, it was a long broadcast day for you. Thanks so much for chiming in once more here on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, guys. And it was fun to listen to Brad Sham while I was on hold there. It was, it was What a finish. <laughs> now you should that listen to the show. We only do seven that. hours of it, but I know you're busy in Jacksonville. <laughs> Thank you, JP. See you guys. Thank JP. you. Next on NFL First and Gold, the podcast, let's take you around the league with Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report. Now let's take you around the league with our pal Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report. Tyler, we just wrapped up the three late games with the dramatic conclusion to the matchup between... Dallas and Washington, no shame in Brett Maher missing a 52-yard field goal off the upright, but it should have been a 47-yarder, Dallas with the penalty due to a false start. When we talk about a lack of discipline and other fundamental issues for the Cowboys, how much job security do you think Jason Garrett has moving forward? You you would think that as he he would be uh, heating up a little bit, but we've had that conversation a few times for what a decade now. It seems like since he took the job, uh, we, we've been we've been bringing that uh, that topic up. And Jerry Jones likes him. He trusts him. He can maybe control him in ways he couldn't another coach. And I don't know. I mean, maybe Jason Garrett's on you know on thin ice, but I, I would doubt it. I mean, I think even with how the season's been been rolling along, they like him there, and and it would really take the Cowboys bottoming out for him uh, to get the boot. But yeah, just a just a heartbreaking loss for them because it really looked like the Cowboys were going to build off of what they did last week. Well, for sure. And, and again, we've been talking about, you know, the weather's turning right now, but the hot seats are getting hotter, none hotter than the one that's in Jacksonville for their starting quarterback. Ooh. Yeah. What do you see going forward for Jacksonville? Man, Eric, I mean, before the season, I went down to Jacksonville for a few days and, and from – the offensive coordinator um, to the, the defensive side of the locker room to the offensive side of the locker room uh, from Tom, Tom Coughlin on down. Everybody there just bangs the drum of support for Blake Bortles. And it, it, from the you know, the outsiders, anybody watching this quarterback can predict the ups and downs. And for every Patriots game, there's going to be two or three clunkers right after that. And they just keep riding that roller coaster. And, um, you know, I, I really – Got the, they got the feeling that they'd just go down with that ship, that they, they believed in him, and that they believed they were a Super Bowl contender with Blake Bortles because of Blake Bortles. And lo and behold, today they benched him midway through. I, I think it's it's a little too late to jump that ship. I mean, the, the, the Titanic has split, and people are, are jumping off when there's really no hope at this point. You could have drafted Deshaun Watson. You could have drafted Patrick Mahomes. You could have moved on in the past with a true franchise quarterback at this point, uh, I don't think Cody Kessler is going to take this team to the promised land. They're, they're hitting the panic button. Uh, I, I don't see the Jaguars suddenly snapping themselves into contenders because uh, it's a little late to you know, find a quarterback at this point of the season. Taking you around the league with Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report. Tyler, the Rams destroyed the 49ers 39-10. 
L.A. off to their best start since 1985 at 7-0 when Eric Dickerson was the star in Southern California. We went through the schedule, and I'm aware that the Rams have to go to New Orleans, have to play the Chiefs in Mexico City. But given how comprehensive this team is, is it implausible to think they could run the table and go 16-0? and Absolutely. I mean, you're, you just hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, where's the weakness with this team? I mean, where are they vulnerable? I, I don't know. The Rams are just loaded, and, and we knew talent-wise going into the season that, that they were loaded. I mean, with everybody that they signed, and they're in that unique situation with you know a quarterback still on that rookie deal. Jared Goff was coming into his own in his own right. I mean, they can pay up for other players. They absolutely did. They're trying to capitalize on their Super Bowl window. Uh, but the concern, right, was was all the personalities. I mean, Dominic Sue, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib. How are these guys going to gel in a locker room when they've you know, been problems in the past? for teams, and boy, I haven't heard a peep. I don't know about you guys. I haven't heard anything. I know winning kind of cures all. That's yeah. probably a big reason why, but uh, but nobody's been an issue there, and I, I think that was really the only concern, because talent-wise, heck yeah, they, they could go undefeated. Well, I think really, they have absolutely the best opportunity maybe to to fulfill that with the personnel they have on offense but you don't think there's some question marks defensively I know right now defensive line is kind of getting getting going again but without a keep to leave in injuries in the secondary right. you, you don't think that could be an area where a team could kind of take advantage of the Rams yeah maybe it could be but it's weird I mean you look around the NFL it's a little different than the league you played in I mean how many good defenses are there? How many really good secondaries are there in the NFL? It's just uh, it's such a wide-open game. All these games are you know in the mid-30s to the mid-30s, and it's just, I don't know, I think you can kind of get away with a cornerback being hurt today in a way you could never, you know, even five, ten years ago. You know, then, you know, you have when your starting cornerbacks go down and it's a death sentence. But in this league, not really because, hey, all right, you scored a touchdown. We're going to come right back at you with Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods. We've <laughs> got all these weapons. Go ahead and try to stop me. Chatting with Tyler Dunn of Bleach Report. Tyler, the reigning world champs from Philadelphia are now 3-4 and four to start the year. Eagles blew a 17-0 lead at home fourth quarter against Carolina. What's your perspective on Philly? Boy, honestly, haven't been, been following them as closely as I, I probably should. But, man, just outside looking in, it, it looks like, you know, they just – yeah, you know, getting Carson Wentz back, you figured there's going to be a feeling out period for him, but he's been playing pretty well, which which kind of concerns you because you know the, the, the substance of that team up front on offense and defense just not quite as strong as we all thought they were heading into the year. So um, yeah, they, they probably could still win that division. I mean, it's season's a marathon. I don't know if the Redskins are really for real. They they can probably win that division at nine and seven, but in terms of Making another Super Bowl run. I mean, the the Rams are in a totally different class than the Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my, my last one is Patriots and Gronkowski. I, I love him. I think he's absolutely, uh, mm. really top of the line, tight end, all time kind of talent. Dealing with some injuries right now. How is that going to fare throughout the rest of the season with Brady and that offense? Yeah, he's just. I mean, all the hits he's taken. You think it'd have to come to a head. At some point, and we thought it was coming to a head in, what, 2016 when his season ended, and he comes back from that. But, you know, the Pagers just keep chugging along, right? I mean, they get Julian Edelman back. Um, Josh Gordon goes up. 
they, it, it's a machine there in New England. I mean, even losing Sony Michelle, I, I don't think anything is really going to affect that team. They're always thinking two, three, four moves ahead. Um, they, and even with Gronkowski, even with the greatest tight end in NFL history on that team, suffering injury after injury, I don't, I don't think it's really going to hurt the Super Bowl chances, to be honest. And I don't know. I think a lot, a lot of opponents would probably agree because it, it's tough to figure out how to stop this team. It's James White has kind of become the central focus of that offense, too. They, they've kind of shifted to him more so than Gronk, I think, schematically. Tyler, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Hey, you got it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Let's close out the podcast with the intersection of football and physics. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. And for that, we're pleased to be joined by Gary O'Reilly and Dr. Eric Goff, spotlighting an eight-yard touchdown run by Mitchell Trubisky that covered a lot of ground. Guys, take us through the play. Okay, thanks for having us back on the show, chaps. Uh, Professor, time to drop some science. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Well, the Bears had third and six at the Pats' eight-yard line, and the Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky was in the shotgun. He caught the snap at the 13-yard line right on the, the right hash mark. The Patriots' end zone coverage was great, and the Bears' pocket eventually broke down. Trubisky scrambled backwards into his right, and by the time he got to the 25-yard line, Pat's defensive end, Adrian Claiborne, nearly grabbed him. But Trubisky kept running back and actually passed the Pat's 30-yard line, 22 yards behind the line of scrimmage. About five and a quarter seconds had already ticked off the clock, and the play wasn't even half over. Trubisky then set his sights on the left side of the field. He kept angling left, nearly stopping at one point as he surveyed the field. By the time he got just past the 25-yard line, he knew he was going for the end zone. He turned on the Jets, hitting a maximum speed of about 18 miles an hour. He finally scored 11.8 seconds after the play began. He had run a total distance of about 72 yards, which means his average speed was 12.5 miles per hour. Compare that to the measly 1.4 miles per hour someone could have walked the eight yards to the end zone in that 11.8 seconds. The best block on the play took place right as Trubisky scored. 310-pound Bears center Cody Whitehair was running over 14 miles an hour when he slammed into 205-pound Pat safety Duran Harmon. With pads and helmets on those guys, the collision involved a combined weight of about 565 pounds. Harmon was hit at school zone speed and got squashed. Though he didn't output this much energy during his mad scramble, Mitch Trubisky had an internal energy burn of about 7 calories. That's roughly the same as the two tablespoons of mustard on a couple of Chicago-style hot dogs. But Gary, it was too bad Trubisky couldn't burn off the two interceptions he threw on the day. Very true, Professor. Very true. And please don't mention food just yet. The dinner bell hasn't rung for me. So Mitch Trubisky took the scenic route to home sweet home. But when it came to lights out, it was Tom Brady who was grinning from ear to ear, as usual. From all of us here at Playing With Science, back to you in the studio. All right, guys. Thank you. Indeed, it was a circuitous route for Mitchell Trubisky on a Big Word Sunday. We'll chat with you next week. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. All free, only on TuneIn.